We'll just go right into the, the psalm series uh, this week. We will be looking at Psalm 1, uh, first psalm of the Psalter. And uh, like I shared a little bit last week, um, my hope uh, for this short series in the book of Psalms is that we'll grow intimate with God. Uh, I think the Psalms are just great books, great poems, and great even art uh, where we can really enjoy uh, you know, God's voice and um, grow to uh, clo- become closer with God. So I really hope that that will happen as we uh, hear uh, this word being preached as well as you know, being studied. Uh, during our uh, life group Bible studies. So let's jump right into uh, today's passage. Uh, read it for us, and uh, we'll pray, and we'll go right into the time of the message together. Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, and are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. That is God's word. Uh, please, Father, uh, has with me, and I'll pray for us before we go any further. Heavenly Father, we uh, thank you that you're here and that uh, everything is in your hand. Uh, So we rest in your sovereign hand. Um, God, each one of us uh, goes through different ups and downs in our lives, uh, but you are constant. And the the same ups and downs may be true for our church too, as we go through different seasons as a church. And we know that you are still constant in every season. So Lord, help us to look to you. And may you indeed open our hearts, open the eyes of our hearts to hear your voice uh, through this time so that we can really encounter you, especially as we uh, look to uh, this this passage uh, that will talk about your word and um, how we can um, get really intimate with you Uh, as if we are uh, your bride. Um, May you uh, truly work through this time uh, to uh, transform our hearts and lives, God. Uh, Thank you, Lord, for everyone here. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's sit together under the preaching of the word. Uh, Three points to help you uh, follow along. Uh, Those are the blessing of God's word. Second, the blessing of fruitfulness. And the third point, the blessing of eternal security. And the, the title of the sermon uh, is A Blessed Life. First, the blessing of God's word. First verse says, 
Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. I think right away the word blessed stands out to us. Uh, it's the first word, uh, you know, after all. Being blessed in the Bible uh, needs some explanation. Uh, I think overall, uh, throughout the Bible and especially in this context, being blessed means to be satisfied and joyful in the core of our being. As the, the wording of what I just said indicates, this really means you know, the, the satisfaction and joy that transcend circumstances. Look with me to uh, Matthew uh, chapter 5, verse 10. It says, Blessed are those who are persecuted for the righteous' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Meaning that blessed, the, the satisfied, are the people who are suffering, who are being persecuted, who are being even flogged. So that means that at this point at least, we can only guess that this joy has to do with something that's beyond uh, this world. So keep that in mind. It's something that goes beyond circumstance. And second thing about being blessed in the Bible is that, um, that it is a prerogative of the people who are in a covenant with God. Uh, people who are in an exclusive relationship with God. That's what being in a covenant means. And it's not for everybody, therefore. So look with me to Genesis 12, 1 to 3. It says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I'll show you, and I'll make of you a great nation, and I'll bless you and make your name great, so that you'll be a blessing. And I'll bless those who bless you, and him who dishonor you, dishonors you, uh, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. You see, God chose Abraham, or Abram, in, in this passage. Uh, he made a co covenant with Abraham, uh, you know, so that the descendants of Abraham uh, would receive God's blessings. And eventually, just fast forward in the New Testament, we see that through Jesus Christ, who is the true son of Abraham, um, you know, when people put their faith in Jesus Christ, they're included in this covenant, the new covenant, and that they get to experience these blessings uh, through this covenant. This is significant because in the beginning of the Bible, in, in Genesis 3, when the fall happened, uh, you know, we see that we are supposed to be cursed not blessed. We are supposed to be cursed because of our sins. And yet we see throughout the salvation history that God chooses to, in his grace, enter into covenants with his people. And, you know, he will justify them, you know, through Jesus Christ, and he showers his blessings on them. It's the blessings are truly God's grace. Is undeserved. So with this mind, follow with me, uh, let's now look at what a truly blessed person 
does uh, that the psalmist describes. So in the, in the same verse, we see that this person does not walk in the counsel or advice of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, and nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Uh, it basically means, these are synonymous phrases here, uh, it basically means that this blessed person uh, does not allow the worldly values that are opposed to God and the Bible to influence the core of their being. That, so that, that's what he does to, be, to stay blessed. But I want you to notice with me that it's striking to see that there's a progression of you know, these three phrases, which really indicates the progression of one's departure from God. Meaning, you know, first you listen to the counsel or the advice of the world, and then you, you know, stand in the way, meaning you participate in the sinful and worldly practices, and then lastly you become scoffers. Scoffing is, you know, you're laughing and you're deriding. Um, who? God. Meaning this person is now very prideful and even, you know, acting like an enemy towards God. Uh, really looking down on, on God through scoffing. The lesson here is that no one just wakes up in the middle of the night on a random day and decides to walk away from God. There's always a process and progress. You know, it can happen very gradually. It, it does happen gradually and, you know, day by day. Again, listening to advice, that's the you know, maybe curiosity at first, and then you compromise your faith here and there, and then finally you find yourself even scoffing at Christianity and God in, in disdain. And what makes me very sad as I explain this is that I've seen this many, many times um, from the, the friends that I had in the past, how we would just be passionate for God together in, in college years or beyond. And now they are scoffing. It's a tough thing to even think about personally. So if we're to pause a little bit and ask this question to ourselves, you know, in order that we don't get there, if God is speaking to you right now through this passage, the question is, you know, in what areas and things do I let the world influence you know, my views and my lifestyles at the moment right now? It could be subtle, but what is it? You know, how do I let those things drift me away from God at the moment or maybe past few months or years? Let's think about that. But the psalmist, as we move on from here, he doesn't stop at the description of the negative, you know, what not to do as a blessed person, but he moves on to show us what to do as a blessed person. Verse 2, it says, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Uh, if you look at the ESV footnote uh, on the word law of the Lord, uh, it can be translated uh, instruction. Uh, so what that means is that uh, what the law means in this context is 
the words of the scriptures, words of the Bible that reveal who God is and you know, his will, how he wants us to live, uh, his instruction. And so this is, in a sense, the opposite of the advice and counsel of the world that we just looked at. And now what we need to focus on is what the blessed person does about God's law. Two things. First, he or she, the blessed person, delights in it. They love what God says, and they also love to do what God says to do, his will. Meaning that they love God. They're in an intimate, exclusive, again, covenant relationship with God. And from there, they, it says they meditate on God's word day and night. What's unfortunate is, you know, in these days, when people hear the word meditate, they immediately think of, you know, the Eastern religions where, you know, they, people would empty their minds uh, through the different practices. But the Bible, the, the biblical meaning of meditation is the exact opposite. The word, the Hebrew word is actually haga. It's coming from uh, the, the sound of the word, meaning people thought when people read or recite books, they, they heard haga, 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 uh, that sound. Meaning meditation is a practice of muttering words so they can read and remember and med- uh, ponder on uh, books or words in this case, scriptures. Meaning, the blessed person, he or she loves to, you know, mutter and, you know, memorize even the words of the scriptures throughout the day, day and night, so that they can fill their, not empty, fill their minds with the scriptures so that they can discern how to live for God, how to please God. And that's what blessing means here. So just to sum up so far, the blessed person is, again, satisfied and joyful in, their, in the core of their hearts because you know, their delight is not the world, temporary pleasures, but something eternal, namely the relationship with God. Uh, let me illustrate it in this way. I, I know I, I probably used this a couple of times, but I think this is, illustrates what meditation means very well. So bear with me. I'm going to talk about my, my wife and you know uh, how we started, you know, to become a couple in, in college and stuff. And um, so we became an official couple in our in our last year of college. And um, but then there was a this awkward stage, awkward phase where uh, we were liking each other. Uh, but we didn't really confirm that with one another. So there was this weird interaction going on. Uh, so during this time, uh, I would get, a, get like, you know, text messages from her. And, uh, and I would like find myself constantly like dissecting and trying to interpret, you know, what she means by what she said. For example, you know, when I got haha from her, I'll be thinking, why only ha-ha? Why not ha-ha-ha? 
Does he, does he imply that I'm not that funny? So I just constantly think about why she says what she said, right? So I'll be just constantly thinking of, you know, her, her words and messages throughout the day. And when I would get a text from her and, you know, and they indicate that she's in a good mood or she's feeling good, then that would make me feel good, you know? And conversely, if she sounded sad or, you know, not in a good mood, then that would make me feel concerned and, you know, I would try to think of things to do to cheer her up. You see, I was meditating on her words day and night. Why? Because I was in love with her. You know, I was paying great attention to all that she said in order to understand what she means and how I can please her. You know, she was special to me. And it's like that you know, with, with God, too. You know, meditation, that's what it means. You know, if you've experienced God to be not just a concept or, you know, practice, but you experience God to be a person to enjoy a close relationship with, then you keep thinking about what he says and interpret what he says and what he means and try to do what pleases him because you love him. And through that, you get to know God deeper and all the areas of your life change to align with what he wants. It is a relationship. And that becomes a source of your joy over the changing, shifting, you know, sands of this culture and the world when your wish with God is your joy because God is constant. You know, you are, you can be joyful and satisfied no matter what happens in your life. That is the true blessing, what that means. So the blessing of God's word. Second, the blessing of fruitfulness. Uh, verse 3, now that the psalmist will illustrate for us using the images of you know, trees and agriculture uh, just to illustrate you know, the result of our meditation on God's word. So please follow with me. Verse 3, it says, The blessed person is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields uh, its fruit in its season and its leaf does now wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The picture is of a tree, just picture in your mind right now, a tree growing in a very dry climate, you know, like the ancient Palestine or Israel. But even in that dry, harsh climate, this tree is, you know, intentionally planted by the streams of water, like for irrigation, so that the, the tree's roots always absorb enough water, sufficient water, even during the drought. And consequently, the, the leaves uh, do not wither. That's a vivid picture of a person, a blessed person, you know, again, some, the, the person that, who is uh, very satisfied and joyful, even during tough times, because, again, their source is in God and, you know, their relationship with God. 
So they don't move. They're not shaken by what's happening. Their root is deep into the wet soil of God's word. But let's go further here. There's something deep here. It says, this tree yields its fruit in its season. What what that means is this. I mean, just think about the, 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 the images of fruits, right? What that means is when you see the trees bearing fruits, you know, you see that the tree is alive, right? And also, uh, when you see the, the fruits growing, it shows that the, the tree is fulfilling the purpose of its existence. Likewise, the blessed person is alive spiritually. They're alive in the core of their being, so that they bring life to the world. They fulfill the calling that God has given them. Here's what I mean. Galatians 5, 22 to 23, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. You know, as they constantly meditate on God's word, the, the Spirit of God in them, you know, bear, produce this Christ-like traits, but it doesn't remain in their, you know, uh, mind and heart alone, but it exudes out, and, you know, they make other people also joyful and kind and glad. Meaning, the fruit of the Spirit that comes from our heart, uh, through the Spirit, it, it makes us you know, healing agents in the world. Fruit of Christian life is contagious. And, and that's what it means by here, prosperous, you know, prosperity. It, I don't think it really means, you know, money and wealth. Uh, in the context, it really means the spiritual success, meaning this person is fulfilling the, the duty and calling of their lives. And you may ask, what is the calling of our lives? What is the purpose of our lives? Should we all ask that at some point of our lives? And here is what God says about what our, our life is all about. Matthew 22, 36 to 40, it says, Teacher to Jesus, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And this is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments de- depend all the law and the prophets. We live to love and enjoy God and to serve others. That is success of our lives. And when the, when you, if you've been following what the psalmist has been saying about the blessed person, he or she does exactly that. He or she enjoys God through the meditation of his word day and night. First commandment. Second commandment. That fruit comes out and blesses others. So when God looks at the person, he goes, that's successful. No matter how much money is in their bank account, God says, that's a successful life. You should be joyful. So now we can contrast the success 
with a failure. Immediately coming after verse three, verse four, it says, "The wicked are not so, but they are like chaff that the wind drives away." It can't be any starker than this. The, the contrast here: the psalmist is drawing on uh, from the practice of threshing grains in the ancient times. You know, back at that time, the the farmers, you know, after they harvest their grains. You know, they would toss their grains, um, and the real grains, the edible grains, would fall to the ground because they're heavy, because you know they have substance and content. But the chaff and husks and and straw, the the you know things that are useless, will you know uh, be blown away by the wind. Likewise, he's saying the psalmist is saying that the people. Who have been meditating on not God's word, but meditating on the temporary values of the world, whether it's you know money, status, trends, or whatever, you know they might have felt in this life that they're secure. But when the troubles come, when the wind comes, and even in this life, they are going to be shaken to the core because their root was in that shallow um, depth of the world. They will be taken away. And also, what the, the imagery of chef signifies is that these people are useless compared to the fruitful people, right? They're useless around, uh, to the people around them because all their lives were all about themselves, right? It's all about me and you know, my advancement and, and so on. So they don't really benefit anybody around them. They are useless like the chaff. And when we look at the contrast, we see which one is the true success and which one is true failure. And I think the good question to ask ourselves at this point before we move on is just being really sober, right? Just really examining ourselves. The question is, are people around me experiencing life, joy, and healing because of me and what I have to offer to them from my character and my presence? Or do I rather suck life out of them because my life is all about my goals and people are, to be honest, means to an end? How would you answer that? Just, again, just being really honest about where we are. Uh, in my lawn, um, just to be, I guess, vulnerable here, because I have to admit that my lawn is in turmoil right now. Um, there's a one side of the lawn uh, where there's a lot of weeds growing. And I pretty much gave up on that, because there's a lot. But I do know that I have to deal with them at some point, because it's killing, the, the weeds are killing everything. Around, around them. You know, it's killing all the plants and flowers. But not only that, they're so ugly. <laughs> um, you know, the, they have flowers, they're, they're purple flowers, but it's this weird kind. It, these weeds have like hairs around these flowers. So what that, what that does is that the, the bees cannot approach them. So the bees cannot suck any, you know, food or juice out of them. 
useless. But there's on the another side that is preserved from the weeds. It's like the other, like a western side of our house. And there's a lot of flowers and lilies growing. It's just really pretty. And you see a lot of bees, you know, flying around and, you know, getting their share. And also, you know, it's really pleasing to our eyes. You know, me and Seth and Deb love going over there. I'm sharing this just to, again, add to the illustration, you know, are we those beautiful flowers to people around us, you know, giving them benefits? Or are we like weeds sucking life out of them for our advancement? I think the answer to this question essentially will indicate, you know, whether we are spiritually alive or dead. And, and we'll have to admit that, you know, even though we're individuals, but we're never in isolation from other people. Because how we do spiritually will, for the better or for worse, will affect other people. It's bound to happen. The blessing of fruitfulness. May we have that. Thirdly and lastly, the blessing of eternal security. Now, as he wraps up this psalm, the psalmist will take us beyond the present effect of uh, our walk with God and will show us the eternal consequence of uh, you know, our current uh, walk with God. So look with me, verse 5. It says, Therefore, in conclusion, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. You know, there's no easy way to sugarcoat this verse. It's basically saying that the wicked, those who are far from God, will face eternal punishment, that there is no hope for them. And immediately after that, he explains why they will be punished. Here's the reason, verse 6. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. For, because, here the word know, the Lord knows, uh, we have to understand in Hebrew that this goes something beyond, um, you know, deeper than just having information, just knowing and accumulating information and knowledge. We know that through uh, this one verse out of many, in Genesis 4, 1, it says, uh, Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain. It's interesting, isn't it? Adam knew his wife, and out came a child. How can this be? I mean, we know what happened, and I'm not going to say it. Something happened. It's because knowing, uh, in, in Hebrew, yada, knowing, is it, it, it's a of course euphemism here for you know sexual intercourse, but it just shows it implies an intimate knowledge in the context of marriage covenant, right? Again, the word covenant shows up here too. It's about the relationship, the intimacy in the relationship. So coming back to our passage, 
So the reason why the wicked are being punished or will be punished is because they do not have the intimate relationship with God you know, in covenant. And in, in consequence, they do not have God's affection and protection unlike the righteous, the blessed people who do have God's protection and affection all through eternity. What that means is our current you know, day-to-day spiritual choice have eternal consequences. Meaning if you are in the covenant relationship with God right now, because you have received God's grace in Jesus Christ, and you're really proving the genuineness of your faith by you know, delighting in God and, and loving Him and trying to do what's right for Him and please Him in the present, you, know, you will be blessed, again, inside of you right now even. You'll be joyful and satisfied. But that effect will be magnified in the future you'll have this shalom, peace, and you'll be loved by God, and you'll experience that magnitude of love from God. That's the promise. Because you're walking with God right now. In contrast, if the world has taken over your heart, maybe slow but surely, then you'll experience the instability even right now in the present. You, know, you, are, you are unstable when troubles come, even right now, but that's only a glimpse. When that day comes, your instability, your catastrophic failure and destruction will be exposed and should be shown and there'll be no turning back. What we do now affects you know, what we will enjoy in the future. Uh, I grew up watching, um, you know, Home Alone movies, just by show of hands. How many of you have grown up seeing these, this series? Okay, all right, good, good. Not too old, though. Not yet, at least. Um, so I, I, I love uh, watching these movies growing up. And there's a second movie, right? Uh, the subtitle, Lost in New York. And there's a scene where, you know, the family's again late. They're always late. And they're, you know, trying to catch the flight and they're running towards the gate uh, at the airport. And our main character is not shown on, on the picture here, but our main character, Kevin, you know, who is, you know, a nine year old boy, and he's running behind his family, uh, but he's distracted, you know, because he's trying to find something in, in at his dad's backpack. And he just couldn't find it, so he, he starts slowing down, and he ends up stopping in the middle of the terminal. And he totally loses his family. They're all gone. And he ends up mistaking somebody else for his dad, and he ends up boarding on a wrong plane. And this plane you know, flies to New York City while his, his family is on their way to Florida. And of course, and this is a fictional movie, so you know, there's a happy ending to this you know, movie. But in real life, just think about it. If a nine-year-old boy uh, gets end, end, ending up in you know, uh, New York City all by himself, it won't be a happy ending, you know, right? 
Um, now, what I'm trying to say is this. It's, it's like that you know, spiritually too. You know, we're called to stay close to our Father, uh, and we're, we're called to walk with Him and enjoy His protection and warmth in this harsh world. But once we allow ourselves to be distracted by the world and we slow down and we even stop you know, pursuing after God, you know, eventually we will be on a different path and we'll fly away and there'll be no turning back. I mean, the distance between us and God in the present will dictate the distance between us and God in the future. And I do want to say here that, of course, I'm not, I'm not trying to say that you know, if we you know, fall short and fall away for some time and backslide spiritually here and there, uh, that we will lose God's grace. That's not what I'm saying, because we all fall away you know, to some degrees, and that's like almost like a daily uh, practice for many of us um, to our dismay. So the reality is that God's grace can always reach us. He will always pursue after us. He'll always find us. That's God's grace. He'll restore us. But what I am saying is this. What I am saying is that, first of all, you know, God right now could be using this passage and you know, the sermon like this to you know, lovingly warn you to come back to him. Uh, to me, that's what all the warnings are all about in the Bible, to call his people back in his love. And second, what I'm trying to say is, but the reality is that if we continue in that path, even without us noticing, we may end up being a scoffer in the end. And we may end up discovering that we didn't really know God, and we'll be proving that by our choices. We had a wrong foundation to build our lives on, after all. So God is saying, I believe, that saying to us, choose life right now. Walk with me. Choose me. Stay close to me. Enjoy my love and blessings that you will have a successful life in my, in my sight, and I will carry you to the eternity. Stay with me, and you'll be safe. So let me ask you, as we close, because this is an important thing, this is a, even life, life and death thing that dictates our eternity, you know, in your context, what would it look like for you to you know, meditate on God and delight in God's word daily? What would it take? Um, how to saturate your mind with his word throughout the day? Uh, I think for me, one thing I do that, that has helped me over the years is to always underline one verse or two uh, in the chapter that I read daily. And I believe that, you know, uh, God knows how limited I am and I can only absorb one verse a day. And I believe that that verse is what, God want, is what God wants to give to me for that day. And throughout the day, I, I, I you know, meditate and I recite and think about that verse all throughout the day and try to apply you know, what that means to different situations. And sometimes I get surprised by how fitting that verse is. And if 
those verses keep popping up in my mind throughout maybe the week or weeks, I, I tend to write them down on a post-it note and you know, post them on the wall so I can continue to remember them. It's my way, it doesn't have to be your way, but what would it be for you to walk with God, enjoy His love, and be blessed? What would it be? And as we do that, may we build our lives on the right foundation, which is God and His love, and that will be successful life. Let's pray together. Let's take some time um, before we um, pray to do uh, the song that we'll be singing. Now let's pray to searching our hearts Let's pray together, um, but it's kind of encourage you right now. Um, I really hope that uh, in in any way you will take um, you know this call to you know come back to God as you know you have to somehow you know do X Y and Z. You know, like oh, you know, we just heard about. reading God's word and meditating on it. Like, oh, I have to, you know, have a plan. And those are good resolves, but I think, um, I, I believe what God wants us right now is our hearts. Just resting in his grace. Not trying to make up for whatever, but we just rest in his grace. I really meant it when I said, you know, we all fall away every day. Uh, apart from God's grace, we cannot survive. You know, whenever we get together as a church on Sunday, that's a time of renewal. We come back to God together and be encouraged by one another. And that's what we're here for right now. rest in him when we've been so restless from the world and pursuing after whatever we come back to God and say God you're all I need apart from you I have nothing help me enjoy your love right now so let's, let's do that I'll just talk to God asking for more of his grace. The Holy Spirit will work in our hearts that he would produce fruits in us, renewing our hearts. Oh, how awesome would it be if our church just got to experience the immensity of God's love for us. Paul says in Ephesians, how high, how wide, how long, how deep is the love of Christ towards us. May we experience that. Then out of that experience, we, you know, uh, strive to love, live for God, strive to pursue after Him. It starts from His love and grace for us. So let's enjoy it together, and uh, I'll, I'll close for us uh, afterwards, but let's talk to God together right now. Let's pray.